Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everybody. It is my great pleasure to introduce Professor Dr. Eleonore Sui-Winkels to you all today. She was a previous guest on my show, and today we were following up through a LinkedIn Live conversation, and this is the audio cast to it. Ellie was a guest on my podcast nearly a year ago, and in her episode, we talked about a wide variety of things, anything from job sharing to flexible work, as well as how she uses her non-linear career to teach her students not only the material in the books or as part of the curriculum, but also life skills. And she draws on her background and knowledge from neuroscience as well as her IT career. And today, Ellie and I continued our conversation. Ellie really pointed out why it is so important to her that her students are learning beyond the material in the books, because a lot of her students may become HR professionals one day. And so for them to understand what it is like to be a working parent and why flexible work is so important and not just for somebody who is doing caregiving, also for anybody truly to ensure that there is a work-life balance possible, to ensure that there is good mental health and also to continuously learn that there, are, there is lifelong learning and that one can always upskill and that different parts within one's life that one has learned are not quote-unquote learned for nothing, but that they fit on nicely together and that they might help further down one's career because one can use it to come up with innovative solutions or is able to maybe broaden somebody's horizon or teach somebody something based on one's own background. So it's a really interesting conversation. And now, without further ado, let's start it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm so excited, Karen. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> I am super excited to have you here. And it's really nice to see you. And I feel in our previous podcast episode, we talked about so many aspects. Pretty much you summarized all my main topics that I tend to talk with people in one episode. So I was super impressed how you did that. <laughs> Thank you. And so now, just for people who are either listening to us now live or are going to watch us later, could you introduce yourself with five facts like the working out loud method so they know who you are, please? 
Okay, thank you. Well, yeah, um, working out loud is is a uh, is a mindset that I really enjoyed uh, learning with. And the five facts about me are, are I'm a professor of industrial and occupation psychology in Germany, and um, I'm sort of an expert on the brain because I've, I'm a neuroscientist, but I'm also a psychologist by training. Um, that's what I teach, what I lecture. And, um, but I'm also a career transitioner. So even though I was a psychologist by training and I'm now a professor for someone like that, in the middle, in the middle of that, I um, transitioned my career into IT and stayed there for a couple of, a couple of years and enjoyed it very much. And uh, well, yeah, uh, for me, the fourth thing is I'm a working mom. Okay, so that is the overarching topic. It's, it's like everything that I did in my career when I reflected back on our podcast was really something like um, I, I, I accommodated everything around the fact that when I will become a mom, I will change my jobs, I will change my career and everything. And I made it fit to the, the face of life. And I think that is something that really um, is like the common thread among that, those things. And the fifth thing, which I haven't shared that much, is that I love karaoke. So, oh, I did something know. private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love singing. Um, wasn't that good enough singer songwriter, and it's okay for some for karaoke singing. So, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, as you have alluded to, you have had many different um, careers or you worked in many different fields. And um, I'm a big fan of David Epstein's book um, in English, it's Range. And it's all about using different aspects of one's career to basically sort of, you know, come up with more innovative ideas and solutions later on. And so could you maybe share for our um, watchers and listeners, how have you used your previous background in the teaching that you are using right now? Mm -hmm. Well, when I reflect on the podcast that we recorded a year, nearly a year earlier, um, there was something that also popped up to my mind. It was like, okay, I love being on stage. That's why I said I love singing. I, I was always somewhat on the stage singing. I wasn't like, you know, I, I wasn't a star, but I enjoyed this, this um, the, the, the bonding mm -hmm. that I could create with the audience. And I think that's this something that I really do enjoy with my students so that when I lecture, I don't preach by the book and I don't read out the lectures like this and it's pretty much boring for me. Um, oh, I know the slides by heart anyway, but it, it's it's never the slides. It's always the stories behind, and the stories behind that were always driven by the experience that I made as a career transitioner. So when I went into IT, obviously I didn't study IT before. I was a psychologist by training. I did my PhD in neuroscience. I did a little bit of PhD. I mean, I did a little bit of coding, but that was really more like an amateur, not a pro, and it was enough. And uh, I, I managed to work my way around in project management jobs, roles, functions, where I would 
solve conflicts or translate between different parties like sales, like like marketing, like law, like IT people, hard coders, and um, and I think that also with the, with my clients, with the work of as a consultant, I was always able to speak the language of the others. And that was something that I wasn't an expert in every language, but I showed the will to learn the other, the other party's language, the vocabulary, what were they thinking? Why were they thinking like this? Where, where were they coming from? And I think that is something that truly is my, my asset that I'm able to, you know, change the perspectives. And that's something a psychologist should do. I mean. <laughs> Uh, to change the perspective and to see it from the other side. And I think that's that probably has helped me. And when I thought about the podcast that we recorded, I talked about this this opportunity to, you know, um, work in with time zones, work with global audiences or clients that are in different time zones so that they suit my own biorhythm. So if I'm an early bird, I can work like that. Or if I have um, some, you know, <sighs> obstacles or whatever, so that I cannot work there, I can still manage to work asynchronously so that I can still cater the needs. Or I can look after my little ones during their awake times, but when they are asleep, I can work then and something like that. And I think that um, that actually triggered my own transition. My Again, the, I reinvented, reinvented my own business model as a coach. And I don't do uh, in-person lecturing or in-person training anymore, but I um, transitioned that. Um, most of the input that I give now is via video. And then the, the, the students or also my clients are now much more qualified in the frequently asked questions settings so that the one-on-one -on -one coachings by video conference with my clients are much more qualified on the other side. Because usually I say something that I've said many times and that's always something new for the others. But if they have, a, if they have the chance um, to listen to that, to rewind that and to recapitulate that and to, you know, reflect that thoroughly before they meet me on a video conference one-on-one, -on -one, which is more convenient for us, both both parties, then it's a much better working, you know, relationship. And that's something that I think um, derived from our very own podcast last year. Wow. So that I actually thank you. <laughs> I, I do thank you because that idea was like oh I did it last I did it why can't I do it again well I I'm very glad that you know there was a little spark out mm -hmm. of our podcast Absolutely. I just you know I just find it amazing how you are able to combine all the things and you know as you were saying you're technical or IT background that you are now doing TikTok videos and engaging your either potential clients or your students to, you know, to give you feedback, to see what you would like to talk about. And by the same token, use that also then for your um, work with the students to mm make it a more fun environment yeah. exactly and and you mentioned um in the up 
coming to this conversation, you know, the non-siloed thinking. And I just loved that, you know, mind frame. Yeah. Yeah, that that was like uh, my two years ago or three years ago, I started out working out loud a lot in, in LinkedIn not by the term because I knew that only half a year ago, but I actually did that so that I shared why I was doing like this, why I was working like this. And I used the, the hashtag non-side of thinking because that really describes what I'm doing. It's like, whatever I learned, I'm like a swamp. Everything that I learned, I will probably use one day, sooner or later, everything will fall into place and there will be an occasion where I can use that. I don't know when I'm learning that. And I probably had trouble learning that because it was new back then. But I'm always happy that I can truly capitalize on everything that I learned along the way. And that's something what I tell my students always. It's like, you will never learn everything from one script or from one module or from one study, that's it. That probably won't be the case. Instead, you will have to combine everything from, from here and there, from right and left, from private to professional, from everywhere, from whether you have learned it by yourself or by someone else, whether you had a role model who shared the experience and everything that is to the brain the same. Regardless whether you have learned it in whatever category, the brain will do something out of that without looking at categories. And this non-sided thinking is something that I've seen with adults when I was a consultant for IT strategy. Um, people tend to think in boxes and then they have to unbox and think out of the box and whatever, and the brain doesn't work like this. And this is why I'm telling, I mean, I lecture about the brain. So I tell my students, you know, it doesn't work like this, but just in case you are already thinking like this, stop thinking in boxes. There are no, no there are no lanes. And even if you had thought previously in lanes, tear them down. Because sometimes you just go back and think, well, I've seen the same landscape, but now something else is blooming there. Or it has always been there, that tree has always been there, but you haven't looked at it because you were looking at the other side while you were passing by. So um, for me, it's like, it's probably a gift that I have this this attention that that I was always, that I'm always able to, you know, take out these little things and combine them into something new, connecting the dots. And, and I think this is awesome. I've said before, I wish I would have had a professor like you when I was a student myself, because I feel what you're really showing your students is that they are life lessons, that things beyond the script mm. can be learned and can be applied at a future date. And yeah. you also, which I was really appreciative given the topic, that you know you were parenting out loud as a yeah. working mom to show to your students what it is like and and so that hopefully one day when they themselves are in the situation that they are young parents that they think back and say wow now i even more understand and appreciate what ellie has told us and you know shared openly and uh, i i'm super appreciative that you know you are doing this because 
in order in my mind for everybody to really understand yeah and of any gender what it is like what it is required to parent and to do caregiving yeah yeah i mean i was lucky because you said i was brave i don't know whether i was brave i do share things where i think they are beneficial for the students and if they happen to be something affecting the human body that I'm very ready to share that because I think that when you are talking about the brain and the body, you should also have the, the right, the, the suitable examples, right? So if I were an architect, I don't know whether I would have shared it like that, but I happen to be a psychologist, so <laughs> it, it's not my subject. And um, I think that um, that was more luck than, than being brave. On the other hand, I think that um, we all, as parents, we all are very brave because we try to, you know, to traverse a gap that is huge. And, and if you are not a parent, you don't know it. And to be honest, um, this lockdown with two little ones, one of them still in diapers, and the other one not in, in school yet. I thought that was the worst case already. And then homeschooling arrived. And I thought, whoa, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I can I can I can relate to the other parents who say, you know, you have just one in homeschooling and the other one is not learning yet. So I I I have a bias myself. I know that the others have biases too. So the only thing that we can do as parents is to share. But to say, you know what, this is my trouble at the moment. And if you just bear with me, because I can only bear with me. There is There are things that are really pressing. Like if I had the kid right with me, that would be imminent. Right. So there are things that I have to postpone. And I think it's 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 the, this is the message that we should share with the students, with the younger ones, that work isn't everything. There's something more to life than just work. That being said, of course, it's important to, you know, have a fulfilling career if you want one, but you don't have to assume that everyone wants a career, especially not nowadays. I mean, you, I, I heard you're talking to the, um, to the other podcast um, guests. I mean, um, some, some do not think of a career and that's fine. Right? You have to, as a psychologist, you have to accept every view. And that's something that I think that if, if my students become people um, in the HR department, so people experience something like that, or leadership, I want them to think of who is at the table, who wants to be at the table, who's not at the table, who should be at the table. It's not just, I'm here. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are a lot of things, nuances that they have to think. And and that's just a moment in time. And maybe that person who says, not today, will come back tomorrow and say, tomorrow, now I want to be one at the table. Okay, right. I, think, I think that the human development is so much more than just, just you know, that one-time assessment. I, I so agree. And I think, you know, with you sharing this with your students and potentially future HR professionals, they will realize and see transferable skills that somebody who may have chosen 
to be a stay-at-home parent for a period of time based on what you've told them and shared, they will say, oh, these are the skills that person has learned and will be much more open to different backgrounds and perspectives. And so I yeah, think this I is hope so. really, really important. And so I'm, I'm very appreciative that you're doing this. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think HR is a profession where people tend to start in HR and work their way up. And I think that's, that's a danger because if you haven't had this, this operational experience elsewhere in logistics, in sales, in whatever you, that's the perspective change. You don't know it. You have to assume. And once you assume that's probably not the right, not the reality. So what I always tell my students is to be open for a career change because you can only win. Even if you're thinking that you're just doing a lateral move, you are gaining new experience that you one day may use to accelerate and even bypass the others who have done this, this chimney career. We call it a chimney career, right? So just going its way up, but if it's it's very focused, solely focused on, on things. And I don't think that it's it's nowadays and for the future of work useful because we don't know which job functions, skills are needed in 10, 20 years time, right? So until then, artificial intelligence probably has, I mean. Right. Who knows, right? Yes. But I mean, I, I completely agree, even from my own experience a long time ago, I was in, you know, a retailer's HR um, headquarters. And for a week, we were going to be in a store to experience what it was like in a store. And honestly, um, you know, counting live crickets and putting them into a <laughs> plastic bag, the appreciation of how difficult this is and, you know, and how much more time it takes than one would anticipate yeah. really changed my perspective as well as being on your feet for, you know, eight hours a day. And it, and in my, you know, it was a week, but that week alone let me gain so many additional insights. So to your point, yeah. you have different pieces and modules rather than, you know, being somewhat more linear, it really creates a, a different mindset. Absolutely. We call this job rotation. And um, actually, I do recommend my students to when they set up programs like job rotation that they don't do it just for onboarding for half a year or whatever. So in, at different, you know, job stations or, you know, job functions, but that they should do it along the supply chain. So, um, so that they, once they have figured out where they should be the target, that's the target position. They should at least have the job rotation around that. So not just somewhere out there in the company, but it should be a learning experience that is useful for them in the next two or three years. What they will do in seven or 10 years, we will see. But by then we will have a new rotational program. Hopefully that will yeah. be the ideal situation, right? So that you have once a year or once every two or three years that you have another two week job rotation assignment so that you can, you know, you refresh and gain a new perspective on what is actually the obstacle for 
for the people you are catering. You, they, these are your internal clients, and you have to work with them hand in hand. And if you don't understand, if you don't understand what their their obstacles are, then you probably are not lending the right hand to them. I mean, you're describing, you know, perfectly lifelong learning and, you know, and upskilling and reskilling. And I think that's so important. And like, um, you know, different generations maybe have different expectations to this. I imagine somebody um, going into um, a job now probably has a much more, you know, you know, open perspective to it in the sense of thinking well you know every year two three years i will change but not everybody has that and i think that's important especially somebody being maybe a manager that expectations have changed yeah yeah and i think that is um to your point this change management capability to change to not only you know to tell others how to change and everything if you haven't ever changed yourself is you know i don't buy it right if, if someone is has been doing the job like 10 years since 10 years and is now telling me how to change it's like well okay do you know how it feels i mean to be honest when i look at my stats i had a great business in coaching people who said well if you don't want to be working with me during daytime but you want to work with me at night time and on Saturdays, then sorry, I, I don't want to. So I had to let go of the clients. And I have to now find clients who are working at, maybe at their time, which is then my night time. So I'm looking at my statistics and say, okay, so Germany is going down. Okay. I, <laughs> but other countries are going up, right? Right, so, right, so, right. So fine. So, that, that moment of letting go means you embrace the change and you embrace the new. And that means you have, it's like swimming. I mean, you cannot swim at the concrete. You have to go into the water and it doesn't feel well. And maybe you, you, you know, you swallow a bit of water, but you eventually will learn swimming in the water and not outside. And that yeah. you have to go, you have to go forward and let your body learn it because if you if you i mean that's also something i share with my my students and that's why i also did this tutorial this online tutorial mid area so that my students see my own transgression from being a total beginner in tiktok or reels and i'm not an expert yet but i'm certainly i certainly have moved on and I think that most of the days when you see people who are, you know, doing something great, people do not see how much effort they have put into that. And they don't share how many times they have, you know, stumbled. And I share that. I call my, my Instagram handle my sandbox so that it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's not, I'm not an expert. If you are here for being entertained high level, it's not. I can't do, I can't cater to that, but I can cater with content. I'm a content creator, but um, production production, you know, um, how do you call it? Um, right. You, you, I know what production you mean. value is is bad at well, least at the beginning. Well, you, I mean, you don't have an entire you know video studio behind yeah, you yeah. who is 
working on that. But I feel I've read somewhere it 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 takes courage to be not good at something, right? And that's and what you show it. <laughs> right. And yeah. that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're yeah. showing to your student that very thing, right? Yeah. And 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 this is also to the point what I tell you what I tell my students about leadership. It's we don't have to talk about those models and you're you know you're a transformational you're a whatever <laughs> but the thing is when you are a good leader you accept that other your your people are probably better than you are in certain things if you cannot accept that they are better that they are the experts and that you let them go and you let them grow and you are proud of them and when they are higher than you you are just standing there and cheering them up because if you don't do this you cannot accept that you always want to be better than them you just have some people who are not good because the good ones will go yeah and 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 with with the bad ones you won't achieve bigger things so i'm telling my students you have to accept that your own limits might sometimes even narrower than others but you will be leading for other reasons you will be leading for encouraging them to grow and that they stay and then the company has a return on invest yeah I mean, that's I, I, that's that's your value your value is not to be the expert for everything your value is to increase the return on invest of your people yeah and i mean you you know the way you're saying what is so beautiful all of this also then transfers being a coach for children. It's like that and vice versa. And that's where I sometimes feel people, you know, see these as two separate things. But it's really instead of trying to have a child live through one's own eye, it's really encouraging them to go and grow bigger and, you know, come up with things and then also use what one learns there back in a business setting it's and and so i think there are these beautiful transferable skills both directions which often i feel people underestimate yeah underestimate that would be even seeing them and underestimating them but they're probably more like neglecting that they don't see True. it that they are True. not able to see them and we have to you know that's our hr people's business right to say to encourage us to, or to encourage our people to say you know even if you say you are just probably not coming back for another couple of years or one or two years then just just be aware that you will get some new skills and that we as a company are likely benefiting from that if you bring that to the table and show us what you did with that because you are gaining leadership skills, yeah. right? So uh, sometimes the employees don't see it. Sometimes no. their leadership doesn't see it. So that's our job as psychologists in HR to say, you know, um, this is important. What this, what these people have, and we will lose, is 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 something so valuable. So if they could just see it with other eyes, with another perspective, then we would still have them on our board. And I think that in the pandemic, we've seen it's um, it's important to keep the good ones. Yeah. 
No, Even more today. Well, thank you, Ellie. It's, you know, I could talk with you forever, but um, I just want to make sure, is there anything since our last conversation that you would like to share with our audience? I think that um, what I've seen, because I, I heard it from my students, is that um, I think the job market is quite tight. Um, I think uh, a lot of companies are, they shy away to, you know, uh, employ people that, because they don't know where the direction is going, which is somewhat understood by me. But the thing is that I think we're losing, we can be losing this generation. I think that this generation that made it through the pandemic, who made it to learn, to study for the exams, to you know, discipline themselves to get things done are truly the ones we can rely on in a couple of years of time. We just need to, you know, um, equip them differently for the job because obviously one and a half years being online at home wasn't, wasn't the whole thing, but they bring so much else to the table and this change capacity, this capability to change, to transform and to stick around and to do something. I think the ones who made who made that, they they will be the lead, the future leaders. And I really I really hope that they will get a chance. And and for that, so that they get jobs which in a pool of less jobs probably available at the moment, I think job sharing is a good means for that because it could be a vehicle to say those who are still in jobs should not step down, but they should think of, you know what, I've had my share. I mean, I'm 40, right? So I, I really do think I'm lucky. I had everything that I had to do, wanted to do, I was able to do. My students are probably the ones who, they wanted to go to a different country to learn there and they, they weren't able to. They, they have to, you know, they, they have to settle for less. And if the ones who are arrived, like me, or I don't know, the people who are 50, who have children already out of their place and everything, so they're thinking about their careers. And okay, fair enough. But the thing is, they have like 10, 20 years, and the others have their life at the table. So I think as a society, if we would be more willing to job share, the companies would be more willing to put some effort into, you know, equipping the new ones with other skills that they were not able to learn because of the pandemic, then we as a society would benefit hugely from that. At the moment, I think it's more like everyone tries to, you know, um, cover you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, it's quite egocentric. And I think as a society, we need to challenge that. And I, I know some companies who job share and offer those programs where the senior and the junior can help them each other. And frankly, I'm, I have benefited from junior colleagues who took over some slice of my work so that I can be just overseeing that and they did the job. And I think that if, if I had someone like this at the moment, that would be brilliant. But, you know, it's like, you have to have the right people and you have to have the right 
setting. And that's mm -hmm. something that shouldn't just be an individual effort. It should be a systemic effort. And this is what I'm hoping for my students, that they, if they land in HR, that they create this systemic effort to increase the return of investment and that they also become the great leaders that, you know, increase that individually in their teams, but also systematically for the whole company. That That is really awesome. <laughs> no, it, it is really, and you know, because there is already talk like here in North America about another wave of professionals having to opt out because of potentially with the, you know, Delta variant having like issues with another round of homeschooling and all of this and they would really benefit being able to have a job sharing partner so that they could continue and then you know be able to as you said teach a more junior person skills that that person might not have had the opportunity because of the pandemic and vice versa they have more time to do yeah. other things and that could also be if they wanted to do something creatively or write a book or something that they have time to do this. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, and, and to be honest, it's not even just to do something um, creative or something. I, I mean, the, the rate of burnout, the rate of that, mental yeah. awareness yeah. that yeah. should be there, but it's not because you yeah. just hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. I think that is something that we as a society have to bear, I mean, to keep in mind and to think of, of solutions to preventions, not solutions thereafter, but preventions. And I think that if you have a whole group that is settling for less and there's an upcoming group of people who need more work experience, that could be a great chance. And I'm not saying it should be the working moms who step back, but I'm seeing also dads who are, who say, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I've done this and with all the strength I had, but I, I'm seeing my, my family breaking, you know, it's like breaking up and I don't want this. So if I had the chance to step down and have some junior with me, running with me, that could be also a, a step up to leadership positions, yeah. right? So you, it, it's, it, I'm not trying to sell it. It's like, it's, no, no, no. It, it's so obvious. I don't know why, the, why it's not done. Yeah. Right? No, so. no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. From a mental health perspective, from a junior leadership perspective, I mean, there's so many aspects and yes, I'm, I, you know, I hope many people who are in the position of leadership are listening to our conversation here and it gives them some new food for thought, some new ideas. And, and I'm really appreciative, Ellie, that you came to talk with us and share all your insights. And I'm really looking forward to having you come back and we can talk more. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, last time I inspired my reinvention of the business model. I don't know what will happen then next one. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I will do is as we are signing off, I'm going to put a um, slide for everybody who is listening to know how to and find you on social media. So thank you so much for being my guest on the show today, Ali. I am beyond elated. I, I was really looking forward to that because what I really have experienced with you is like, 
and this is also the example of virtual working relations, right? We have never met in person. True. But I think, but I really do think that we could be working so well together in, in presence. And experiences like this tell me, I mean, I knew it before, but it's like evident on the, on this, on the, on, on the show now. I think that if you tell me that a leader is not able to connect with his employees or her team members, then there's something going awkwardly wrong. I mean, it's possible to work with others. You have to just work differently, obviously, and you have to do something else, but you cannot, you cannot just do the same. But if you want, you will succeed. And I think that um, people who, who, who suffered from this pandemic, they know now where they will resign when they will resign, when the job markets, job markets are going well again, right? So I, I, if I were a company and if I had people who were already, you know, uh, not committed as much as not emotionally effectively committed just on a calculatory basis, then that would ring my alarms. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Ellie. Until the next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.